Welcome back, folks. It's Mark Steiner, right here on your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. And we are on our same program here as we were earlier, uh, talking about this transportation bill as one of our series of conversations leading up to the Annapolis Summit uh, that we produce with our partners, uh, the Maryland Daily Record. Uh, and we're talking about the article that's written by Brian Sears, who you just heard. Uh, Hogan, Maryland lawmakers collide over the transportation issue. We are joined here by Delegate Robert Flanagan, who represents uh, District 9B in the Maryland House of Delegates and is the former Secretary of Transportation. Uh, good to have you with us. Welcome back. Thank you. And Mel Freeman's back in the House as well. Uh, last time he was here, he was Executive Director of Citizens Planning and Housing Association. Uh, he's retired from that and is now a consultant at Freeman Consulting uh, Group. And good to have you back in the studio, Mel. Thank you, Mark. Uh, and so let me just, you know, this, so as I did with Brian Sears, you go back to the last session uh, and the killing of uh, the uh, red line, which caused a huge amount of consternation among people who support the red line, especially in Baltimore and Democrats in general. Uh, and that kind of set this kind of these, this battle line up. Um, and so a law was passed, as we understand it, that requires the governor to succinctly say how the money is going to be spent on what projects before he's allowed to spend it. Um, and, and he finds that onerous and had this press conference where he came up with a, with a, a, uh, a new slogan, uh, which is, this is, that was a roadkill bill. And I, I must give it to people in the Republican world that come up with great slogans. <laughs> in Maryland, they're much better than the Democrats <laughs> at coming up with slogans. Um, so, but that's basically it in a nutshell. So I, but it seems to me that what's underpinning this is a deeply different views about what transportation means. Uh, and it's more than just Democrat-Republican, maybe, but I think that's part of it. Uh, how do you see that, Bob? Well, I think there is uh, some politics uh, to the issue of uh, what what transportation projects we choose. Um, and so what I ask is, if we want a pragmatic uh, transportation program, okay, does this bill promote a honest, uh, informed conversation about what our choices are? And I think that's one of my big objections to the bill, that it really is, is so convoluted uh, that it really doesn't uh, uh, allow the public to better understand what the choices are. Mel? Well, it's, it's hard to say. You say it doesn't do it. Well, the, the result that we have is this new law at least gives us an opportunity to at least talk about it, where obviously there was nothing needed in prior. The red line was just tossed away with no conversation whatsoever. So I'm not going to say that the current legislation is completely bad, wrong, or indifferent, but we've at least put it on the table that we can have a, we should have a transparent conversation about it. Well, so, so we can uh, separately discuss why the red line uh, failed. Uh, uh, because it was a gold-plated project, that it was uh, grossly underestimated uh, the risk of uh, cost overruns and tunneling, that there was hazardous materials uh, that would have had to have been dug up that, that was never discussed in public. Uh, there, there are a lot of reasons for that. But, but 
we have had since the 1970s a system that worked pretty well in promoting public discussion. Uh, as secretary, I went around every year to 24 jurisdictions and discussed their priorities. There were all sorts of meetings at staff level and then at elected officials level. Uh, there was a very visible process and to my knowledge, there was never any serious criticism of that process until the red line uh, was rejected by Governor Hogan. And when I say red line, the red line as developed in the prior administration. Good. We're not going to spend the whole time on the red line, but please respond. It's, it's hard to respond without, you know, it, it was just... Okay, I'll try and back off of that for just a second. As you said, it was developed in the previous administration, and this administration came along and said, nope, done, We're, we don't have to worry about this anymore, I, I don't want it. So it, even that in itself was not an open process. But as you said, there were many reasons why the red line should or shouldn't have happened, but again, I'm just saying, from a transparent and open process, it was subsequently dismissed, and now we're still discussing our transportation issues and how we should do this better. Well, just one final thing, and, and I won't really make this about the red line per se. Uh, as Mark opened, uh, there are philosophical and political differences uh, that relate to transportation. And ultimately, those decisions may have to be made in elections. And in this case, Governor Hogan did not keep any secrets about his concerns about the red line. And he was elected. So, and we can also debate that election as well. I mean, there, there's, it was a very intense ele election, um, and and we see now that Governor Hogan's um, very popular among the voters at this moment in terms of his approval ratings. Um, and uh, um, but all that notwithstanding, let, let's look at some of the issues here. So we have this two point nine million dollar billion dollar red line off the table. These and some people think it can back can go back on the table. That's a debate that we can have separately. But the issue is where you invest the money and how it gets invested. Um, uh, and, and, and is it rail, is it, is it road? And I think that's part of the debate here. Um, we just saw, what's that, $30 million study given, given to the state of Maryland that, uh, from the federal government to study whether or not we can institute something like a maglev train between Baltimore and Washington um, uh, to get us to back and forth within 15 minutes, it says. But so... The question becomes, where do, what is strategically and best for the state and where to place its money? And how is that involved in this conversation? Yeah, and I think, uh, I think that was a great question because you asked about strategy. And, and I do think strategy is important. So... Maglev, to me, if you if you were just talking about maglev between Baltimore and Washington, would be like a crazy strategy. But it's not. I mean, what what time and time again comes up is the strategy of connecting the Northeast Corridor, probably from at least Richmond to to Boston, and how how you do that best. And uh, so I think. To, to some extent, the maglev project is something that ought to be on the table. Maybe it's not the only thing. But you have uh, regional uh, strategies. You have, uh, you have s 
statewide strategies, you have Baltimore-Washington strategies, you have local strategies. And I, the problem with the bill is it didn't really fit in and give room to developing strategies on all of these levels. And that is what the existing process does reasonably well. The existing process being the CTP, Consolidated Transportation Program. Yes. Yep. Uh, you know, collaborate, I mean, which includes which includes uh, the, the governor of Virginia, the governor of Maryland, and the, and the, the mayor of D.C. meeting and collaborating on, on issues, uh, issues in the Washington metro area, issues being worked on in the, in the Baltimore metropolitan area as well as the CTP process, Consolidated Transportation Plan process, by which uh, every, every county, Baltimore and Baltimore City, are, are involved in collaboration as to what goes into the program and that it's taken to the legislature who can pick it apart if they want. Mel Freeman? Trying try my, try my best to, to make sure that I'm explaining that, yeah, from a regional standpoint, as long as those jurisdictions are working together, that's fine. But when it comes down to the micro level, such as Baltimore City itself, and then all the traffic that goes in within the beltway around Baltimore, you know, I think there's something lost there for the whole CT program because it, they're just two different, they're two different beings. What goes on inside the Washington Metro and what goes on inside the D.C. Metro are completely different animals. And I don't think it's given the same attention that's needed. Which is not given the same attention? The Baltimore metropolitan area. It's it's got vastly different corridors, vastly different arterials, and I just don't think that there's enough representation or enough explanation of what needs to be done differently in Baltimore to make it fit into the larger regional plan when it doesn't fit into the larger regional plan. So, and you have though it seems the way this lines up is you have the arguments on both sides here. It seems you have some exurban and rural areas and suburban areas in 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 uh, in counties in western and Maryland eastern shore. On one side, but you have the Baltimore Washington corridor on the other, that 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 opposed the killing of the red line, uh, that wanted to see something different, and that kind of pushed this legislation. So I mean that, that I, I see this. Just let me talk the politics before I come back to the reality of what's happening and not happening with transportation here. The, the reality is this is this this is looming to become the one of the biggest battles in the state legislature, um, and defining not just transportation. But I think it, it is going to be a it, it defines part of the political future of the state because of the way people are divided over this issue and it's huge. Uh, so how do we see that? I mean, Mel, how do you see that playing out? I know you're not you're not executive director anymore, and you're also you're not in Annapolis. But how do you see that playing out? I'll go back to Bob. I'm just I'm I'm more concerned about there's the thousands and thousands of cars that come in and out of Baltimore City as the business center for this region. But yet, everyone seems to be content with the amount of time it takes to get to work, the amount of additive pollution we're adding to this region, and we can just discount projects and say, well, it doesn't really fit with the rest of the region, but Baltimore is its own region, and we do need to have some attention paid to it. So, we pay, so does that mean too much attention is being paid to, to, like, to rural roads? Maybe they've been neglected, but this is like the, the area we're talking from at the moment is one of the, um, is one of the economic nerve centers of the state. And the roads are terrible. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, the, the issue of 
certainly parity between Baltimore and Washington uh, is not new. Um, it goes back uh, 30, 40 years, at least in, in my being aware of it when I was secretary. So, yes, I, I think that Baltimore deserves its own regional uh, strategy. It also deserves to be part of the Baltimore-Washington strategy, all of the above. Let me explain something in response to, to Mark saying that this uh, is poised to be a major political battle. Okay. Okay? Because yep. when this bill was presented to the legislature, the sponsor and, and the leadership said, this is like Virginia's bill, okay? which is completely untrue in this sense. In Virginia, they approached the issue as a collaboration. It passed unanimously in the legislature, a Republican legislature. It was supported by a Democratic governor. They collaborated. This was not approached in a collaborative way. Now, and I actually offered an amendment on the floor to say, okay, let's back up, let's take this bill out, and let's create a collaborative process to go forward. It was totally rejected by by Democratic leadership. But if you approach it in a collaborative way, you have to be willing to accept the fact that if you get a lot of smart people in the room and they talk about it honestly, they may decide that our existing system is better than some formula, some abstract formula. They might, or they might come up with a formula that improves it. But that would be collaboration. The Maryland legislature, the leadership in, in the Democratic leadership, did not set out to collaborate with Governor Hogan. They set out to strip him of authority and to ultimately embarrass him in 2018 in an election year. That's what they were trying to do. There is politics embedded in this. That's, I, I will not. I think it's hard not to argue on both sides. It's not politics embedded in this. Uh, to say that to say that, that that was their intention, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm, it, it, so, but but when you look at the, the comments like Delegate uh, Pamela uh, Bidel, Bidel, is that right? Be, from yeah, she was the sponsor. She was right? the one who presented the bill. And she said, "I thought it would be a good idea to have more transparency and accountability." I think possibly the governor is using the transportation bill as a scapegoat for promising to fund too many projects. And she's referring, I think, in part to the governor saying that only six of the 70-odd projects would go through because of, of the way the bill is written. Um, and so, but do we, can we parse out what the truth is here? Well, so uh, um, Delegate Vital presented the bill to the Appropriations Committee. The bill had also been assigned to my committee, which was Environment and Transportation Policy. Okay, I she represented to the legis to the committee that this bill was a Virginia bill. Okay, I had studied it and it was clear to me. And by the way, uh, Chairman Rosenberg now in the last uh, couple of weeks now realizes that this bill is not like the Virginia bill and wants to amend it so it's like the Virginia bill. A simple question could have uh, clarified that back last year, but. I was kept from asking a simple question from from uh, Delegate Beidel by the chairman. To me, that was politics. That was like they knew what they were going to do. 
they knew that this was not a fair representation of what 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 the bill was, and so it was characterized by uh, an, an animosity towards the governor, or as the Washington Post said, uh, Hogan derangement syndrome is you know what what was manifest here, or or derailment system. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> um, there you go, back to the red line again, Mark. <laughs> it, it will remain painful for many of us for a long time. All roads lead back to the red line. <laughs> as soon as I said, I realized that's what I just did. It's not a conscious effort. <laughs> but I, but I mean, does this really stymie me? What the governor is trying to do is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it seems to me that since this is such a politicized issue that I really question whether both sides are telling the truth completely uh, in all of this. I mean, I don't see how this derails the governor's efforts in very serious terms uh, for the roads he wants to do in Prince George's County and Cecil County and other places he had in the maps behind him at that press conference. Uh, Nor do I think it's, uh, am I sanguine about Democrats saying that that they, uh, uh, there were no politics involved in this maneuver. Uh, because there was clear anger over the red line. And, and I, so, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is, is, is there any way that in this political process that we actually deal with this thing honestly without, you know, both its political yeah. divide and, in the, and the, real rea- the reality of where we want to invest the money? What's the best for Maryland in terms of where we invest the money? Mel? Well, I mean, the point that there's going to be X amount of dollars and there's X amount of cards on the table and at some point, there is a, you know, you slide one here, you slide one there. Something's going to get out. Something's not going to make it in. We're just asking for it to be a fair and accountable process that if one project is that much more important, let's talk about it and say why. And it can be substantiated, but to say that we can only get six or seven done because of this process, that's not very genuine because there is a set amount of dollars. And unless he's going to create more dollars, and then that's a whole different story. Now, isn't it isn't it true in, in effect though that Bob and I mean is it that 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 it just doesn't seem real that these projects are actually dead because of this bill. I mean that, that the governor couldn't do what he push them through uh, the way he wants to. Uh, a and B that that I said earlier about the Democrats doing what they're doing to, because they were opposing what Governor Hogan did and they didn't like his transportation ideas. I mean I think can't both be true. Well, I, first of all, uh, let me go back to what Mel said, which is really the, the core issue all the time, which is there are so many more projects than there are dollars, and, and you have to sort out uh, which ones come to the top and which ones you go forward with and, and those that you don't. If, if I could make a suggestion, and of course, I, you know, I, I'll get a chance, um, quite frankly, I would say let's Let's uh, take the bill and forget about let's let's uh, let's withdraw the bill that was passed last year. Let's put together let let the leadership governor and leadership sit down and come up with a commission that will evaluate our current system as well as any alternatives. And let's let's bring people who who we can trust onto that commission, and and come up with recommendations. Let's evaluate the system that we have. Let's review the history. Let's review the politics, and let's see 
what other states have done and whether we think that uh, we should change, and if so, how, how we should change. And that would be a collaborative process. And given, uh, Mark, you, you recognize this is uh, important to the future of Maryland, future prosperity, uh, I say go for it. Let, let's see if we can come up with a collaborative process. What do you think, Mel? I've heard the conversations about throwing this one out because we can't go forward with this one in place, and I'm not necessarily in agreement with that. I mean, the other one can sit there. We can still have a discussion about doing it, making it better. Well, but that see that um, that assumes that the existing system is, or, or that, that you want to throw out the existing system. It's like it's like when you when you you build a a highway project and you do you go through the uh, environmental process you, you you come up with alternatives but no build is always an alternative in this case no change should be an alternative uh, so uh, it may not be the alternative that you pick but it should be an alternative that you consider knowing that some folks as you said we can trust are going to come to the table and be collaborative about this effort, you know, maybe that has to be done before the other one's dismantled. You know, maybe some folks want to see who's going to get around the table and make sure they are truly represented before we let this other one get away. But I'm not in the legislature, so I, that's my thoughts. So, well, and I'm not, I'm not in, in leadership, so I will let uh, the, the leaders try to negotiate that, and I hope that that's the kind of discussion that takes place uh, in this session. But for now... Uh, As a first step, I'm certainly going to support Governor Hogan's uh, efforts to repeal the existing law and then to work collaboratively with the legislature, which which he's pretty good at doing when they're interested in collaborating. So I I think that uh, we will clearly, uh, John and Wade 11th, uh, bring this up early in our conversations with the governor and with the speaker and the president, uh, and uh, because I think it's going to be very critical in speaking of that. Uh, before we let our guests go and get out of here, I want to remind you uh, to please join us on January the 11th. We want you to be there for the 14th Annual Annapolis Summit, held once again at the Governor Calvert House. Your opportunity to talk to Governor Larry Hogan, Senate President Mike Miller, and House Speaker Michael Bush. Uh, and you can get you, you can find tickets by calling Haley Polling at 443-524-8161. Uh, or you can email at hpolling, one L H P O L I N G at thedailyrecord.com. Be there, 7.30 to 10. It's a great event. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be part of the action on the opening day of the General Assembly. And the Annapolis Summit is sponsored by the Daily Record, Stevenson University, the Hopkins Center for a Livable Future, Maryland State Education Association, Alexander and Cleaver, VPC, and WEAA. And uh, I want to thank both of our guests here, Delegate Robert Flanagan, who represents District 9B in the House of Delegates, and of course, the former Secretary of Transportation, Uh, and Mel Freeman, former executive director of the Citizens Planning and Housing Association, now a consultant with Freeman Consulting Group. Uh, Bob and Mel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mark. And on our way to this break, I want to remind you that Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, offering a full range of financial services. MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, is helping its members and its community prosper. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. More information at W www.mecu.com or steinershow.org is MeQ, Baltimore Credit Union's banner.